All lasting change is an expression of a change in mindset. You have to believe something different to do something different. When you're changing, if you're not engaging in change, where the primary consideration and concern is questioning what you used to believe, that life was better with more booze. If you're not engaging in that inquiry, it won't last. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Now that it's early February, over 60% of people have let go of their new year goals, especially around their health and overall wellness. Now, if you're feeling like a new year failure already, then today's conversation was made for you. Now, here's what I know for sure. You've got the motivation. You know what you need to do, but you just can't get yourself to do it. And I know it can feel so freaking frustrating. Today's the day though, that you stop beating yourself up because it's not you that has failed. It's the way that we think about goals. See, many of us are stuck in this hope, willpower, shame cycle when it comes to creating our goals. For example, you genuinely want to get in shape, sleep more, stop yelling so much, honor your writing time, set healthy boundaries, or meditate. But within a few weeks, you're back to the same old routine, dealing with the same old frustrating behaviors. No matter how many pep talks or even stern talks you give yourself, you keep doing the very thing you vowed to change. And now you feel defeated and angry with yourself. Why is it that you can do so many hard things in your life, right? Let's be honest. We can do so many hard things, but you just can't seem to change this one thing. Well, I don't want you to give up and defeat just yet. Even if you really, really, really want to prioritize your health, but keep skipping your workout because you've got to get your work done. Even if you desperately want to get more sleep, but no matter how hard you try, it's 11.50 p.m. and you're too tired to even drag yourself into bed again. Even if you want the transformation, but you can't get yourself to change, you are not alone. Today, I brought on the Dr. Sasha Hines to break down the psychology of the hope, willpower, shame, goal cycle that many of us have been taught around creating our goals and how we can actually approach this in a more holistic manner. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this conversation because I know so many of us get stuck in this spot. But before I do it, I want to quickly sing Dr. Sasha's praises. Dr. Sasha Hines is an academic who went mainstream using her background as a developmental psychologist to become a mindset coach who teaches people the science of getting unstuck. An expert in positive psychology and adult development, Dr. Sasha Hines has based her entire career on helping clients make real transformations, giving them tools to develop their mental fitness by facing challenges and breaking their mind's default modes for stress, self-criticism, and anxiety. She's received her BA from Harvard, her PhD from Columbia, and has one of the only PhDs in positive psychology. So I'm super excited to bring her to the show. Let's welcome her on. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Sasha Hines. How are you doing today? You know what? I'm okay. It's a slow, and I mean, like, I'm okay. Not awesome. Okay. And it's not a new thing for me to say out loud, but it's a slow roll into 2023. I love it. And is that intentional? 
this is just to let everyone know it's Tuesday, January 10th. So we're literally only into the second week. And I don't know about you, but the first week is always just like, I'm figuring it out. So the second week, I still even feel like people are allowed to have a soft land. Like I just barely took down Christmas decorations yesterday, you know? Oh, so by the way, same. Same. I wrapped up all the lighting yesterday, those strands of lights. And I was thinking, oh, I've already checked the box on my one frustration tolerance exercise for the year. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Dealing with all the lights. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I I mean, by the way, you're starting your detox today, aren't you? We are. We started our detox today. We, all of us, even my son is doing some of it. He's a little toddler. Like we today was, um, we had salmon and butternut squash, roses, butternut squash and cauliflower rice. And he is a salmon so addict. So he was all up in the salmon and the butternut squash today. And then we have hundred, probably close to 500 people joining us as a community. And so I had another interview a minute ago and I clocked almost 19,000 steps yesterday just doing mom activities, trying to gear up for the detox, clean up all the decorations and doing all the things. And so I feel you it's, I intentionally have chosen to start slow this year and I feel so good about it. I'm embracing. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I mean, last few years, I don't know, last year was a really just a challenging one, a lot of lessons learned. And so it's sort of a process of, you know, internalizing like, okay, what happened? What did I learn? And how can I do things differently in this year? And then also just recognizing sometimes, you know, I think it's hard for women to recognize I'm just, I'm tired. I'm depleted. I need some rest, you know, and, and what does even that look like? How do we even carve out time for that? It's, it can be, feel challenging and hard, especially after the holidays or so, you know, we're all running around and, but it really taking this year decided that I was going to take the month of January to set my annual, I'm in a big believer in setting goals and not in a shamey way, but in a, we're all in a process of growth. What are we, how are we growing this year? And as a sort of exciting to really dive into our experience of growth and development, but taking this month to plan it out for the rest of the year so that I wasn't feeling that I had to rush through this process, but was going to think it through. I love that. I love that. And I think, yeah, where we wish we can be, we absolutely have the right to land and figure it out in January. And it doesn't have to be in Q4 of the year before. It doesn't have to be the week between December and January. It can really just be when it feels the most right to you. I'm absolutely myself very, very goal oriented. I have monthly goals. I have annual goals, quarterly goals. I love goals. And I absolutely agree. We are growth minded. We're built for growth, but I also want them to feel good. So this year in particular, I my come through was how so often our goals, what we want is this goal is going to help me to feel this way, you know? And so mm-hmm. instead what I decided to do was this is how I want to feel. And how does this goal reflect that? My come through was this is the feel that I want the way that I want to feel, which is feeling good, not going to lie. And then how does this goal actually get, continue to support that along the way? That was kind of one of my, I reframed a couple of years ago and gosh, they all do feel really good. So that feels nice too. But I love that you are giving yourself this month to just work it out. Yeah. And I think, you know, really rethinking, this is what I hear out in sort of the zeitgeist around New Year's, which is there's a camp that's all excited about their New Year's resolutions and goals and uses this temporal milestone or break to reflect and set an intention for the year or a goal for the year. And then there's a camp that says, don't do that. You're going to blow off your goal anyway, your resolution, you're going to blow it off anyway, and then you're going to feel bad. So I'm just going to blow, I'm just not going to do it at all. 
it's you're setting yourself up for failure. Don't do it. And I think that we're thinking about it all very much the wrong way, which is the reason why we feel badly when we don't follow through on a goal is because the only model of change that we really have is one that's either about motivation or willpower. So the answer to why you haven't accomplished the goal or why you're not sticking with it or why you're not following through on the commitment you made to yourself, the default answer is that you don't care enough, that you're not motivated enough, that you're lazy, you don't have enough discipline, you don't have willpower, and this is default what people think. That's never the reason why someone isn't following through on a goal. The reason that people don't follow through on doing their commitment or their new intention or the thing that they want to do differently, the reason that they're actually not accomplishing it is because they have a competing commitment, but they don't know what that competing commitment is. So for example, in my community in Mind Your Mind, I have a client who, um, when we, in the beginning of January, we're talking about, you know, intentions and goals for the year. And her intention was to sleep more. She said, I really want to sleep more because that's the sort of fundamental behavior that sort of makes it possible for me to make better choices in other areas of my life. Okay. I totally understand. She has little kids and she was saying, I'm so frustrated because I'm getting to sleep, but then my kids are waking me up Mm -hmm. early in the morning and I can't get the sleep I really want because they're young and I can't control this. Okay. So what's happening here is to explain why this is happening it is, well, I can't control my kids. Like life is up happening me. to me. How many people feel that way? Oh, a yeah. lot. I'm up yeah, like life is happening to me. Two year old. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Right. Like the world is conspiring against me. It's not fair. Right. Okay. So I don't have that mindset, but I do have a toddler that wakes me up all night. <laughs> I'm yeah. a very, the world is happening for me kind of girl, but I also understand, you know, how precious sleep is to get other things done to feel good. And, you know, as women, our hormones, and working around some challenging parameters. Yeah. (laughs) What we were discussing is like, she was, so she was having this, you know, bringing this to the table and saying like, feeling so demoralized and frustrated. Like Mm -hmm. I can't even follow through on this goal. She felt so defeated. And what I was trying to show her was, look, with the competing commitment that you have, you have a commitment to sleep more, to prioritize your sleep, but you also have this unconscious and conscious, but you're not paying attention to it right now, commitment commitment to caring for your kids. And I said to her, I said, in the moment, are you going to prioritize your kids' needs at four in the morning or are you going to prioritize your sleep? Which are you going to choose? And she said, always my kids. I'm always going to be available for my kids at night. And I said, exactly. So guess what's never going to work? And so the (laughs) answer, right? Like the answer that she's giving herself is something's wrong with me. I don't care about my health enough. And I'm like, that's not what's actually happening. You just care more about being available as a mother. And that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So let's reframe this goal because you're set, give it the wrong, you know, which is going to make you feel bad about yourself. So we tweaked it to her commitment is actually to getting to bed at a certain time, which she totally does control. And then how much sleep she's getting, whether she gets waken up at three in the morning or four in the morning with her toddler is not the, doesn't matter. The commitment is I'm going to commit to a certain bedtime, which she knows she can do because her kids go to bed early, right? So she actually does control that piece of it, mm-hmm. right? So I'm it's that mom. So- I, that's the one thing I know I can control. Yeah. Like I'm in bed, lights off by nine, because I know I'm going to be awake at midnight, midnight at the latest, the first time. So that's, yeah, it's the one thing. And then grace, we just got to give ourselves grace. Totally. Right. So, I you know, that. I think the answer is not to say, 
don't set goals because you're just going to shame yourself. The answer is, can I actually set growth goals and understand why they're hard for me and understand what's actually at stake? If sleeping is at odds with or competing with your identity as a mom, probably not going to fall through on it. Just throwing I have that a out question, there. Uh, Dr. Hines. I'm curious because you're right. You said there's something competing. There's something mm-hmm. that's putting against coming into a little bit of conflict and you may not even be aware that that's mm-hmm. happening. Is there some reflection or inquiry that we can do to kind of tease some of that out? Is it when like we want a goal and it feels crunchy or we have resistance to it mm-hmm. into the why for that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's always about identifying what that competing commitment is and understanding that the reason that I'm having a hard time changing is not because I'm lazy and it's not because I don't care enough because often our goals, we sincerely, deeply, passionately want them. Like we want to make this change and we're so sincere and we're struggling to do it. And so understanding what's at stake here, and it may be, I mean, I'm just throwing out an example so that you guys, so this is a little more tangible, but something like, you know, you want to make a lifestyle change, but maybe your spouse doesn't. Okay. So what's at stake for you is something in your relationship that maybe you won't be on the same page anymore. And maybe you won't relate to each other. And maybe you won't have fun nights out in the way that you did before. And that feels really threatening. And the relationship feels at stake. Okay. So then you can have so much compassion for yourself to understand why making that lifestyle change is actually quite challenging. Because when push comes to shove, that's really what you feel that the cost of it is. And that can feel way too big and scary. So the work for that person would be maybe the assumption that I have that if I make this lifestyle change, that I want to have fun with my husband or that my husband will no longer understand my my partner won't understand me. Maybe that assumption is inaccurate. Mm -hmm. or Maybe it's not a hundred percent true. Maybe it's not true in all cases, right? Maybe whatever the choice is, like, isn't going to actually change the, our relationship in a negative way, but you have to be brave. The real work of change, ironically, is not going after the goal. It's actually dismantling the belief system that's holding you stuck. So you actually have to question and sort of test out if I make this lifestyle change what you really want to know the answer to is, did it affect the relationship in a negative way? And you're actually like a social scientist, you're examining that question. Mm-hmm. Was my hypothesis correct? And maybe it's not. And the beautiful thing about this is like, once we unlock the belief that's holding you stuck, making the change is often not that hard. Because if you don't feel that the hard something work is the belief. at stake, yeah, 100%, like there's so many changes that are so easy, so easy. The fix is so easy. It's eat this, don't eat that. It's drink this, don't drink that. It's ostensibly easy, but that's not what we experience. We experience it as challenging. And why do we experience it as challenging? Because we fear that there is a threat to some identity that we had. There's a fear that there's a threat to some relationship. There's a threat to some sense of freedom and autonomy, like our ability to choose, like we feel restricted or restrained or something like that, right? So we have to identify like what is the threat that's actually keeping us locked in this, in not making change, right? What's the belief that's keeping us stuck where we are and making it so difficult? That feels like the harder, deeper work right there. Way harder. And this is why, in my opinion, the kind of glib conversation around New Year's why people get turned off by it and they're turned off by it because they do recognize on some level that what sort of society is proposing to us, like make a change this year, new year, new you. 
they recognize on some level that that's kind of bunk, like that doesn't really work. (laughs) And they're right. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take our change seriously because it's the most important work that we do. Our growth, our evolution is the most important work that we do. Agreed with you 100%. And why I just love all the grace that you are giving to yourself this month and that you're really helping to support people create. Because you, like you said, at the end of the day, growth is where it's at. How do we start? How do we facilitate that in a way that feels like we're moving in the right direction, that our belief can get behind our way of thinking about things and our mindset can get behind so that we really do experience that true growth? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, I love that we started this conversation with New Year's resolutions and intentions because a lot of people are in it right now and maybe had thought on the second or third day of January they were doing it. And then today's the 10th and they're not doing it yet. And there can get to be, there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of conflict with that. I really feel like we really beat ourselves up this time of the year. Yeah. And the problem is, is that shame is always, always an obstacle to our growth. Mm. Talk more about that. Shame is a hiding emotion. The minute we start feeling shame, we want in some way, and all of you that are listening, think about it yourself. When you feel shame, what do you do? You do some kind of hiding action. You get quiet. You avoid something. You maybe truly put the duvet over your head. Right. Or disassociate. Oh, disconnect. Right. I mean, when I feel shame, I just feel like I want to hide under my desk. It's so uncomfortable. You feel alienated from yourself. You feel alienated from the world. Right. So it feels so uncomfortable and terrible. And so when we are shaming ourselves, we want to hide. So what we do is we avoid. We almost always avoid. Shame is going to lead to some kind of avoidance. So it's never going to help you lean into it and get curious and engage in an intimate relationship with yourself where you're actually asking questions of, huh, there is so much resistance here. What is that about? What am I afraid of? What feels so hard about this? What am I unwilling to experience? And we get to know ourselves so much better. The minute we start shaming ourselves, we disconnect from ourselves and we start avoiding everything. And then the rest is downhill. Let's talk a little bit about shame. And there are definitely people in my life who I watch the cycle perpetuate where they just land in the same spot, right? They're always trying to make the change, eat eat healthier, give up the alcohol, take care of themselves more, but they're caught in a shame loop. And they, I feel like we just end up right back where we start. Yep. And that's partly because they're probably the real work for them. So I call it the, the hope, willpower, shame cycle. And I see a lot of my clients do this. Okay, so so the New Year's resolutions are the perfect example of this. So there's a lot of hope, right? Like this is the year I'm going to make all these changes, going to feel awesome and I'm going to be different. I'm going to be better and I'm not going to struggle with this anymore. And the chatter in my head is going to go away. And you have all this hope and possibility because you can see how this would improve your life and you can see the hope in that. Okay, then we engage in this willpower model of now I just, as the Nike saying, I just got to do it. You're going to make I gotta myself, will myself do to do this, force yeah. myself to make these changes. And this is the tricky part is that a lot of these changes on the surface are really simple. As I said, it's if we're drinking less, I mean, could it be more simple? Don't have the damn drink. Couldn't be more simple. Don't order it. Don't right? make it. You know, that's it. That's it. Okay. But for all of you guys that are trying to drink less and struggling with it, you know, and I know it ain't that simple, right? It's not that simple. It's really a lot of chatter in your mind, it is a lot of feelings, a lot of urges, a lot of stuff going on. And it's not that simple. It's not just, oh, I'm going to put that sock on instead of this sock. 
okay, that's an easy choice because I'm not emotionally hooked with alcohol. Like we're all emotional. There's a lot going on there. Okay. So the number one is like, we have all this hope. Then we use this willpower model because that's the only model anyone's ever given us and it doesn't work. Shoot. Okay. And the only answer to the willpower model not working is something wrong with me. I'm bad. I'm not good enough. I'm lazy. I'm unmotivated. I don't care. I don't know how to take care of myself. I'm morally flawed. And then what are we doing? We're shaming ourselves. Okay. Then we feel absolutely terrible because we've shamed ourselves and we're now, you know, wanting to just crawl under a rock. And then what happens? The way we're like, I feel so bad. You know what's going to make me feel better? A new shiny goal, the hope of a new goal. And then we re-engage with the cycle all over again. And the problem with this is we engage with this, you know, the hope, willpower, shame cycle over and over again. The problem is we start to believe that something is wrong with us. We start to believe that we can't stick to a routine. We start to believe that we're just unhealthy. We start to believe that whatever that story is when that's not at all what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think about then it just becomes, well, this that's not ever going to work for me. I'm not going to be able to yeah. give that up. Now this is who I am. I'm the social drinker of the group, or I'm the person who, whatever that is, it becomes the new story. Yep. And when, but the truth actually may be if someone is really willing to sit with, if I stop drinking, like what we'll use this as an example because it's an it's an easy one and it's one probably in dry January. A lot of dry January. Here we are. Engaging it a lot, right? (laughs) But then the question would be: so I'm committed to drinking less, or I'm committed to stop drinking. That's your goal. Then the next question is like, what are you doing? What do you do? What behaviors do you engage in that undermine that goal? Okay. It may be, I make plans, have drinks with friends. I have a stocked bar at home, whatever it is. Like we could list. Go on date night. Yeah. Go on date night. Always have a drink at date nights, whatever that is. Well, this is the thing I do. Exactly. Like you engage in all of this behavior. Okay. And so that's like what you're doing that undermines the goal. And then the question would be, okay, if you didn't do those things, you're going to do the opposite of those things. That means you're not going to go on date night. You're not going to go to the bar for drinks with friends, whatever it is, like those things, you're going to do the opposite of those. And then the question is like, what would suck about that? What would be hard? What would feel you're missing out on or what would feel at stake? And it may be, oh my gosh, like I would be so bored. Okay, great. That's a competing commitment. You're committed to not being bored and drinking is a part of that. Okay, we're getting somewhere. It may be, I won't have any connectivity with my spouse. Okay, that's a biggie. You want to put your drinking up against your connectivity with your spouse? I don't think so. Guess what's going to win? Connection. Not even a question. Connection is going to win. For sure. Maybe that you feel like you have no other outlet in your life. Okay, so uncovering these competing commitments is super important because. Now we know what we need to actually question. Is it true that if you drink less or stop drinking, that your connectivity with your spouse is going to be diminished? Is it true that your life will become boring? I don't know. Are you brave enough to test this out? That's really what we're doing here. It has nothing to do with willpower. It has to do with curiosity and being willing in small really modest ways testing out whether those assumptions that you have are true. And I'm not speaking about dry January because people will be like, I'm going to give up drinking for 30 days and then go back to drinking. Like that's not, we're talking about something different. If the commitment was to 
quit drinking for a really significant period of time, or maybe for good, or to stop to drink much less for going forward, that you can see there's a lot more at stake. All of a sudden, it's like, we're not just talking about 30 days, we're talking about one's life. And it may be, oh, if I stop drinking, then I'm going to have to deal with something. Mm. Like anxiety. Anxiety, or that I actually, my job is overwhelming and I hate it. Or, you know, that my partner and I, or like, I don't like my friends. I'm not drinking. I don't actually want to hang out with them. Okay. Well, that's kind of a deterrent, (laughs) right? (laughs) So you can begin to see how it's so much more complex than just, what's the deal? Just don't drink. But if not drinking actually requires you to like reassess your life and your friends and all like, okay, that can, I understand why that feels really overwhelming. And it's not to say that we need to give up the goal. No, it's to say, have some reverence for what you're up against Mm -hmm. and take it seriously. So that the things that you're actually focused on is the question that you're asking isn't like, am I strong enough to say no to the drink? Is it, am I willing to sit with the reality that maybe I don't enjoy my friends when I'm the one who's not drinking Hmm. and what that means. Like, am I willing to sit with that truth? Am I willing to like, okay. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. Hmm. And I don't care whether it's this or any other change that someone wants to make. If, if they're struggling with it, if it's any change where there's been some friction where you're like, I really, really, really want to make this change, but I can't get myself to do it. If that's what's going on, I guarantee that you have a competing commitment that is equally, if not more powerful, that is, feels that it's at stake with this change. And that is why you're not making headway. So we have to deal with the competing commitment because the competing commitment may not be true. If I have to stay on a food protocol, like my life is going to be so boring. I'll have no pleasure. That may be what someone believes is at stake. Absolutely. It's one of the areas I talked about it today, that boredom is going to be something that may come up for you. Like what is going to come up? Because, you know, today as the kickoff, I'm like, your body has no idea what we're even doing. Your body didn't get the memo yet. Today's the mind game, you know, like, what is this? What's coming up? What's the resistance? Here's some things to explore because let's do this. Let's explore it. But boredom is a big one. Or like, what am I going to do? My whole life is my friends. We go out, we do this, we do that. What does that look like? Do I get to even have that anymore? She took it away from me. Right. Like I'm going to lose my freedom. I'm going to lose my identity. And all these things feel really, really And your mind think this is very real, but the work that you need to engage in when we're in this process of change that anyone does is this question of like, but maybe I'm wrong about this. Mm -hmm. Right. You may be like, my life will be boring if I stay on this food protocol, but you might actually, if you're willing to test it out, you might, and stay with it and stay present, you might actually discover that it's so much more fun to not be, have food chatter in your mind all the time. Like that might be better. You don't know. You might find that you feel so much better and that actually, like you're like, wow, I actually feel so much better that it doesn't, I don't actually care that it feels boring. It's not an issue for me anymore. And this is how we grow and evolve. We change our thinking to make any lasting change. All lasting change is an expression of a change in mindset. You have to believe something different to do something different. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're changing, if you're not engaging in change, where the primary consideration and concern is questioning what you used to believe, that life was better with more booze. If you're not engaging in that inquiry, it won't last. 
I so appreciate this. I'm on the other side of so many of these things. And I remember when I used to think that, oh gosh, if I gave up alcohol, I wouldn't be as fun. My personality wouldn't be the, what it was, what I've known, like this fun, bubbly personality. And that was such a scary proposition, you know? And then the, and then the realization was that I'm the same person with or without it. You know, it's really fascinating, like that inquiry that you do. And then as you mentioned, like, well, what if that's not true at all? And there's no way I'll know that until I try. I see what's on the other side. Totally. And this is why I love that you're doing this in community. I love that you have so many people that are doing this together. And this is why as a coach um, and a developmental psychologist, I practice, I have a community, you know, and then we have Mind Your Mind is a community of, of women because this work requires support. You need a soft landing. You're going to have days where you're questioning everything, whether it matters, because it's hard knowing going into it, preparing, like there's going to, this is going to be challenging. It's going to be a little identity shattering and I'm going to need some soft landing here. I'm going to need support. I'm going to need people that are encouraging me. And that's so important. And I think too often we go about this, our process of of growth alone, which is very lonely. So, and, and no wonder crazy. so often we fail. Of course. Like, of course, if you don't have the support, right, it's really hard to, to stick with it because it is challenging and it is hard. Well, I would love to dive deeper into mindset. I feel like we've gotten a taste of that. We hear a lot about mindset. We hear about, you know, that's what it's going to require to really shift how we show up in the world, how what our habits, the way that we take care of our bodies, the way that we create whatever joy and success you're looking to create. But, you know, so often we, many of us aren't clear on what does that look like every day? Community. I'm so grateful that you have a community and especially a community of women. I always tell yeah. people I serve everybody by serving women. <laughs> I believe that true. to be true wholeheartedly. <laughs> but I would love for you to talk into one, identifying what mindset we're holding on to and how do we begin to shift that? And what does it look like on a daily basis to, because you know, I'll be honest with you, I was sharing on the show a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how to feel good and mm-hmm. how I grew up. I did not grow up in a feel good environment, quite the opposite. Yeah, I, I was listening to that. I was going to, I wanted oh, to Oh yeah. And when I finally, it was at this wake up, I had a partner who I was breaking up with, who was just like, you're just awful. You're just an awful, like you're bringing not the good energy. Like it's hard to be with you. And it was this, this aha moment. Cause I had just grown up in this, you know, and then you, you don't, you, sometimes you just don't know what else is out there or even how you're showing what up in that moment. I think yeah. this is so, and I'm so curious about this yeah. in that moment when your partner's breaking up with you. Yeah. said that to you. It was so raw, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. So I am just like, I'm, I'm feeling for you. Cause that must've been so painful to hear what allowed you to stay with that and not to run away from it. A very natural reaction to that would be like, I can't, I don't want to listen. I don't want to deal with it because it's too painful and I'm shutting down. I'm not going to lean into it, but you leaned into it in some way. You know, I think I touched into how I felt about the people I was around growing up and how I felt very similar. What they had said to me, I felt like I could have said to a family member. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if that translated? And we absolutely know these things translate. So I'm so conscious and intentional about parenting today. But I realized I was like, there must be some truth to this. There has to be some truth to this. And also I didn't feel great. I very much, the world was happening to me energy. And Mm -hmm. when I gut checked that, it wasn't something that I I realized maybe there was a different way to operate in the world. Maybe there was a different way to feel. And man, I was so tight, like a tiny crack opened in the door 
in curiosity of knowing what else could there be besides the status quo of how I am showing up right now? I love that. You know, I think it's so important that what you're saying is so beautiful and I think so brave and so on. We don't talk about it enough, which is what is happening in that moment. What is the difference between someone who very naturally gets defensive and shuts down, which we've all done. Someone gives us some feedback and we're like, yeah, no, thanks. And we, then we give them a litany of why they're wrong. Well, you don't understand and you don't, right? We yeah, want to we're get defensive. defensive about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We're putting the our walls wall go up. up. But the reason we get defensive is because we're so afraid of feeling like we're too overwhelmed with what is in front of us that we just shut it down. See, but this is what's so profound here is that what enabled you to change was your open-heartedness and the curiosity. And I think that's like absolutely central, which is that open curiosity of like, instead of getting defensive, I'm going to choose curiosity. Instead of beating myself up, which you could have done, I'm going to get curious about what might be possible, what life might look like if I don't make this change. What does that future hold? What would it take for me to make this change or what's required of me? Am I brave enough to be able to sit with this discomfort and listen to what someone's saying to me as an act of love? Like that the feedback and the honest, however it was delivered, like there was a truth that landed for you. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's what we miss. It's like it's fundamentally at its core, when we're talking about growth, development, change, it is a curiosity about what else might be possible for us. That's mm. one of my favorite questions. It's one of my favorite ways of going into in that deeper inquiry of what else is possible and what beliefs that am I still holding on to, un- even unconsciously? It's everybody's journey. And I don't know if you speak on this or if I'm even on the right track, but I just tap into a why that's bigger than myself. I feel like that's kind of the driver of what keeps having me do the work. Growing up in abuse, growing up in a a not so great household and the world is against me. Nothing's fair. Like this energy is not something I ever want to cultivate in my family, in my son. And so to me, that- What were the first steps that you took? Like from getting that feedback, which was pretty heavy, right? What were the next steps that you took? I was always an avid reader. I'm a devourer of books. There has to be people who who know who know the answer to this. <laughs> um, is it, you know, Wayne Dwyer? Is it you know who is it that's got the ticket here? And so I started reading and reading and reading books, and it just really opened my eyes to what was possible. I had a journal that I picked up in 2008, and I've been writing in it every single day. And it just really started to shift and shift. And then I just kept tapping into more rituals and consistent daily rituals of keeping myself at at a higher state, like shifting my state. And Mm -hmm. also in being an inquiry, when I found that stuff was coming up, like, why am I getting defensive on that? Like what belief inside of me, you know, a thing that I discovered a couple of years ago was I was very dismissive. Um, mm-hmm. especially to my husband, because I was always dismissed growing up. Like, oh, and I'm sure you're very dismissive of your own emotional. Oh, yeah. Like, no, we don't have time for that. There are things for to, you. Go. There's the yeah. world to change. Yeah. No, in your world, I do not have time for you right now. Exactly. I remember I was like kind of a flash memory that came back. It's sealed in at like four years old, you know, and not that it didn't happen over and over and over again, but there was this defining moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I remember there was so much fear. I was so scared in that moment. It was a preservation mechanism that came in that I just kept writing, even when it stopped serving me years and years ago, decade ago, give or take. Right. Yeah. But this is, by the way, this is the same thing that's true for everyone. And I, and I just want to say this as like sort of a, 
a note or of, of compassion and, and that for everyone to have compassion with yourself because we don't make up these stories just because we have these mental framework around assumptions that we have around the way the world works because that's the way we learned it worked. And by the way, it probably saved your bum. Right. So I think about, yeah, little Marisa or little Sasha or little Diana, whoever it is at four or five years old, had no skills and had to adapt mm-hmm. so fast and just pulled something That's out right. of her little butt to make it work. And it worked barely. And so she just kept writing it, <laughs> you know. Right. And and like, but here's the thing I think is so important. And I just want to like shout this message from the rooftops is that I think the problem of what's happened is that we want to pathologize this. So and I'm not horrible things happen to every single one of us. Mm. Really. I mean, just- They do. Absolutely. Earth shattering moments where the world as we know it no longer exists and our entire world is upended. And that happens to every one of us in some capacity, in small ways and in big ways and unhealthy dynamics and all sorts of things happen because we're human and there's no such thing as a perfect relational dynamic. It just doesn't exist. But that's part of our experience of human. Like we're, that's part of the deal. Like it's not nothing's gone wrong. It's what it means to be a human being. And the thing that I really want to help people understand is that I think what we often do is that we spend so much time searching for that golden thread of understanding. Like if I could find that experience or those series of experiences that made me this way, mm. if I can unlock that golden door that explains why I am the way that I am, like why I struggle with procrastination or why I struggle with perfectionism or why I'm so afraid of disappointing someone. And that completely constrains my life. Why I do that. Like we want to unlock the kind of understanding of like, oh, it's because this, because this this happened or this, I grew up in this dynamic. Mm -hmm. And that may be true that that's Mm -hmm. where you learned how to orient yourself in the world. Like, oh, Life works better for me when my needs are the same as mommy's needs. Mm. Okay. So we learn that and we get good at it. And then we get to 35 and 40 and we're like, what is the deal? Like, I don't know how to assert my needs. I don't know how to ask for what I need. I don't even know what I need. And you're, it's like, oh, right. Because that's what you learned as a kid. But what I really want people to understand is like, it doesn't mean that you're broken. It just means that you have a mindset that hasn't evolved as you have evolved. It hasn't grown up. It's like you're still holding on to the same mindset that you had at four or five or 10. And the work of change is saying like, am I brave enough to question whether that mindset still makes sense as a 45-year-old? So we don't need, and I so appreciate this. I'm just going to reiterate it. We don't need to go back and find out where that the origin of that, the origin story is, where the patterning started. We just need when it comes up, when we're looking to grow or when there's a disconnect with somebody or a disconnect with a decision we really want to make, but there's resistance and there's a mindset of resistance. It's more so bringing it to inquiry, bringing it up for review and saying, Hey, is this true for me? Is this true for me anymore? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And here's the thing that's important. Recognizing and understanding the biography of the belief system is really important. Like you didn't make it up. It's not your fault right? Nothing's wrong with you. This is how you learned how to get along in the world and the lessons that you learned given the teachers that you had, which were parents and family members and siblings and your order and the family and all of those dynamics that are part of your unique story and everyone's unique story. And that's important to understand like, okay, this is, I can see where I developed this belief, but 
what I see too often is that people want, they get stuck in that. They're like, if I could just pick this apart a little more, if I could just Mm. understand it better, if I could heal these wounds by going back into the past and unpacking all of this, Mm. and they want to continue to do that, that's not where the growth actually is. The growth is in, yes, I learned as a kid that it was better to go along to get along. Mm -hmm. Okay. I learned that lesson and I can see how as a adult woman, it probably serves me less. It's not a very effective way, getting in the way of what I really want in my life, which is maybe leadership or right something, a leadership position that you want or more assertive equal partnership relationships or whatever, whatever the goal or the thing that you truly want. You can see like this is getting in my way. And the work in adulthood, it's like, it's not to pathologize this and like, oh, find that thing that's uh, no, it's am I brave enough to dismantle this belief and evolve it? Am I brave enough to evolve this belief? And you know what's going to be required to evolve this belief system? New experiences doing things differently. You're going to have to assert your needs and see, like, did I die? <laughs> Does everyone abandon me? I don't know. Right. Like, I'm going to tell. I mean, it could be something so simple. Like, I can't help you with this because this is my time to work out. You set your boundary. But you're not like, exactly. But it's not just about setting the boundary. It's also testing out like, did everyone leave me? Right. The truth that I always, I was holding on to, did it actually come to fruition because I set finally set this boundary and I wasn't right. going along with everything. Right. Yeah. Did, did everyone decide that because I like carved out this time to work out, has everyone now decided I'm difficult and I'm going to die? Like, this is what our mind is telling us. I can't be difficult. I was like, the only way that I'm successful in life is by being easygoing. And then, right. Okay. Then you can really understand why setting boundaries might be really hard for you. Mm-hmm. Like identity shattering. So is it to, when we, we get clarity, like you said, that we just give it a go? Do we just see what happens after we get clear on okay. what those conflicting priorities are? And the real question here is like, simply put is, what about this feels really scary to me? Is it that someone's going to criticize me? Is it that... I won't be available when someone needs me. And that feels really scary to me. What is it that feels hard about the, is it that I won't have as much fun and that I will feel constrained or restricted? Like I can't make choices. And that feels really, you know, I don't like that. What about the change? And this is the question of everything. What is it about the change and engaging in the change behavior that feels really hard? It's the like, ugh. Yeah. It's that feeling. It's like the ugh. What is that? And that is lean into that. Like, what's this resistance? What is this? Because the resistance that you have is like, this is showing you where your beliefs are limiting you, right? That's what the resistance is really about. So can you lean into the resistance instead of fight with it? Because often what we're doing is we're just fighting with the resistance. Like, just do it. Like, what's the problem? What's wrong with you? Instead, can we lean into it? Like, what is this teaching me? What is this about? What is this resistance about? Why does this feel so hard? What about this don't I like? And stick with it and keep asking those questions. And you, most importantly, will learn so much about yourself Mm. that you didn't know. Like, I didn't even know that was there. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking maybe whether it's drinking or it's eating something or whatever, whatever the thing is, that when we lean in to that resistance, maybe the way that we wanted to approach it, we find a slightly easier, more gentler way of approaching it, you know? Totally. And then, and the answer might be like, 
right? Like, oh, I see why this is so hard. Maybe I need to dial it back and start way smaller because I'm not even like, that's way too threatening for me. And that that's where if you're committed to the change, like that's where the pivot and the flexibility needs to be, which is, oh, I see, like I've set a goal that's way too threatening for my internal system. Like my psychological threats are all five alarm fire is happening inside of me. Okay. Well, if that's happening, you probably like need to dial the goal back and make it even smaller. And that's okay. Not only is it okay, it's awesome if you're sticking with it and you're recognizing like, oh, I'm just going to slowly chip away at this belief system because what you'll find, there may be gold on the other side of it. You may realize like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I've been wearing this lens my whole life that I need to be easygoing and flexible and go along to get along in order to have people in my life and the world to feel safe. And you may with some testing out over time, you might realize like, oh my gosh, there's so much more freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do what everyone tells me to do. I don't have to abide by other people's schedules. I don't have to silently tolerate things I don't want to tolerate. You might realize this like, who knew? I love it. Right. I so there's it. so much cool thing. Like you didn't know that there was this whole other world that you would, it was possible for you to feel this way. Like what I think is quite interesting is what is if you believe then, like what was the belief system around sort of the world was against me? Was that like the primary belief system that you just felt like a victim to experience? Oh, yeah. But that and you just, it was, you had to fight, fight for it all. And then okay. once you had it, you had to fight to hold on to it. It was never going to be easy. It was always an uphill battle. And that was that when I was like, oh, this is exhausting. Like at some it point your body is just, I just can't do this. Like, yeah, but you can be see like, way. As you pull each finger off of that control, like that's what's at stake for you is this feeling of control. Like that sense of like, I'm going to fight and I'm going to fight for everything makes you feel in control of our uncontrollable experience on this earth, right? Mm -hmm. So you're slowly taking your claws. Claws like talons out the wheel. Right. But now that you have, like, what's the lens that you have now? Because you've tested that. You're like, oh, maybe the world actually doesn't operate like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, I, I, it's so true. Like, what do you think now? I'm at such a level of surrender. I love what the world's bringing for me. I love operating in just yummy, feel good energy. This year, my intention is to be in the joy of my son, just bask in that presence of just him yeah. discovering a new word. So cool. Right. <laughs> so here's what's so cool is that what fundamentally the belief underneath all of this, the shift for you is this belief around you know, like I have to exert pressure on life for it to go my way. And the more pressure I exert, the more I fight, the more I push, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The more control I have, the more I can make it happen. Now you actually believe the more I relax and ease into it, the more wonderful life gets. Like, can you see how these are completely different worldviews? Like Mm -hmm. you've evolved into like a Copernican shift into an entire, like you thought that the world, the solar system revolved around the earth. And now you know that that our planets revolve around the sun, right? It's like your whole mental orientation has changed. So now you look back on the you that thought you had to push and fight and everything was so hard. And like, what's your relationship to that belief and that version of you? It's not true. It's not true. I even think of goals, you know, for me, it was very much of the mindset of like, you set them, you will, you do them, you will power through them. And I was really quite 
great at that. And I had, I bet you were, by the way, I bet you were (laughs) right. Cause you can see how you would be. Cause you're like, Oh, I just want to push and just control it and just find my way through it. Yeah, totally. And I did it. And I had very little grace for people who couldn't do it, including very close people of, to me. I'm just like, just do it. Just make a commitment and get it done. Like, I don't understand where the resistance is. Who cares that there's resistance? Just shove your way through that too. Get on the other side. It'll be much better. And so even the way that I approach goals and all of it and my grace around, you know, people's resistance on on that. And I'm so grateful we're having this conversation because I know that there's me's, the old me's in people's lives who are just like willpower or bust you know? Yeah. And I'm disappointed in you because you can't do it. And here's what, this is what's so cool about this work is that there's nothing wrong with having that belief system. There's nothing wrong with that person. It's just a way that they sort of shape the world. It's sort of how the world is structured in their perception, the lenses they wear. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with it. But what you know now, what you didn't know then, but you do now is that there's another way of seeing the world and it feels better and it feels more joyful, and it feels more free, and it feels more fun, and all of these things, but you didn't know that then, right? So this is what you, on the other side of this is all of this, there's like riches, like a feast in front of you that you didn't know was there. It's like a big and I, flower and I, meadow. This is what I, <laughs> right, it's so exciting. But I think it's so important for us to recognize that like the whole notion that we're going to beat ourselves up because we can't do X, Y, Z, it's like, it's just where we're at. It's just the lens that we have and maybe that lens that you have currently is making your life really small. It's not good or bad. It's just limiting you. Mm-hmm. And that's really the way I want everyone to think about it. It's like our work in adulthood is to expand ourselves and to grow and to see if it's possible. Like we might possibly be wrong. Like maybe the way the world seemed when those very impressionable years isn't actually the way the world operates. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, just maybe. What's awesome is that you know now on the other side and all those, anyone who's ever made any change on the other side of the change, you're like, I didn't even know. Like I was so scared that I was going to like lose my friends and no one was going to like me and I was going to be the annoying, difficult person and all of these fears. And then on the other side of it, they're like, oh, but I didn't know how it was possible to feel this good. And I didn't know that it was possible to feel this relaxed about taking care of myself. And I didn't know that it was possible to allow people to disagree with how I choose to live. And it doesn't bother me. I didn't know that was possible. So it's like, you've completely evolved. Like you've quantum leap evolved yourself. Mm. Mm. If anyone grows and gets into, and and here we are talking about like New Year's resolutions, do not engage in a New Year's resolution because you're going to be a better person if you drink less, or you're going to be a better person if you eat certain foods. Or you work out five days a week or whatever, right. or you, whatever exactly. you meditate like three minutes a day, whatever exactly. it is. <laughs> exactly. Like you're a better person because you're making these various lifestyle choices. That's not the reason to like the mistake that we make is that we engage in a goal because we think the goal and engaging that behavior and making that change is going to make us more worthy. Isn't that what it all boils down to though? But the truth is, is that what I really want people to think about is like your growth and your development, which I'm all about. I mean, it's what I do for a living is help people to grow and to develop. It's what I do. But your growth and development is actually about you recognizing that you're worthy of a bigger life, that you're worthy of something better than what's happening right now. 
that you're worthy of not waking up and feeling like crap. It's completely the other way around. Like we've got it completely wrong. And this is why people beat themselves up. It's like, what if you believe that you were worthy of feeling awesome? What might that look like? Mm. I don't know. Mm, kind of exciting. I love that. Yeah, it's so exciting. Ooh. I know we were going to be talking about so many other things, and I'm so grateful that this is where we landed. You know, and I think about the you who's so constrained with your feelings of unfairness and disappointment with the way the world worked, right? Like that's what's at the root of anger. Oh, yeah. Resentment, the root of resentment. resentment. Yeah. Like everything sucks and it's not fair. And right, it's really hard. And the choice, like the brave choice that you made to not be defensive in that moment, but to listen open heartedly and let the truth land. You're like, what if there's another way? Think about what that little moment, that little seed planted for you and now all the people that you're helping, Mm. the community you've developed, like the ripple effect of that one moment of saying, I'm not going to get defensive here. I'm going to open to the feedback. I'm not going to shut down. It's like profound. Mm -hmm. And when we all have that opportunity, you know, we're given that opportunity many times. You you didn't miss it. It's coming again. (laughs) There's going to be another opportunity for us to listen to that moment of truth. And that moment of truth may come internally. Like, I can't live like this anymore. Can you open heartedly open yourself up to that as opposed to like, ugh, I don't have time for this and just re-engage with the same behavior the next day. So you're leading the way. So exciting. It has been such a pleasure. I know I want more of what you're offering. Tell us a little bit about where we can go and plug into you more. Yeah. So I run a mental fitness club for women. It's called Mind Your Mind. And the concept is this is our work and it doesn't stop. It's not like your growth and development ends. There's always, always a growth edge, no matter what. That's the human condition. We we grow from the minute we're born to the minute we die. We have tasks and challenges and things that we need to work through. And we do this in community and really helping people understand how to get more skillful in minding their mind, how to get more skillful, because these are all skills. It's like not like someone's born with better at doing this. You know, it's all about learning. Are you able to handle what's the difficult thoughts that your mind is throwing at you? Can you learn the skills, how to handle that better? Are you able to sit with those difficult feelings so that those difficult emotions that are part of the resistance, like they don't stop you as much. You're able to tolerate them. It's like as much, right? Like I can do that hard thing and also feel a little bit of resistance and I can, without, I can tolerate that. It's okay gonna it's not gonna kill me and getting more skillful at these basic humaning skills that nobody teaches you and it's been so much fun to have a community where I'm coaching every week and teaching classes and doing master classes and also teaching on positive psychology and developmental psych and all sorts of stuff that boundaries and relationships and all sorts of stuff that we talk about but it's a place to go like you go to the gym to work out your muscles what about your internal world? Like, do we have a place where you go to actually practice developing these skills and tools? And the answer for most people is no. no. And then no. we wonder why it's so hard. You know what I mean? So it's been so much fun. I feel like um, we're on the kind of vanguard of a new era where this won't seem weird to have to belong to a mental fitness club will not seem weird in five years is my hope. <laughs> I love right? that. And be like, how could you live without it? Like, I think right? that's how my clients feel. They're like, I don't even understand how I can live without this. I'm like, right. Because our mind is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
it's bonkers and it's running the roost, whether you know it or not. And let- exactly like you're thinking and the way you think and the way that you see the world is absolutely creating your reality, whether you are conscious of it or not. So the more skillful we are in being able to direct, like direct where our mind is taking us and actually have being able to sort of direct that process, the more skillful we get, the bigger our life can be. And in my mind, the more fun and the less scary life is. Mm-hmm. So it's just been, anyway, so mindyourmind.com. Anyway, it's awesome. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, this is just the perfect time. This is going to go live very quickly because I just know this is a message. This is going to land so big, you know, in so many women's hearts and minds. Just so much real truth here that I think a lot of us are ready to digest. So I'm really excited oh to steer them right your, in your direction to get more. Yeah. If you're not following through on your food protocol, whatever intention you set for yourself already in 2023, like if it's already not happening, you're not a failure. You have a really great data set in front of you. Look at it. What's happening? I would really love to have you come on. One of the topics, it's I know we're out of time. I I have another meeting too, but I wanted to talk about mom burnout. And I I feel like we could have an entire episode on this topic. So if you oh were my open God. to it, I would just be honored. But by the way, I'm here for it because I think this is like at the root of the reason why so many women can't take, don't, do not, I won't say can't, sorry, do have do a not. hard time taking good care of themselves is because they have, we, and as a society, we have a whole belief system around the way that women are supposed to be showing up right now as mothers and what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it, which is, I mean... It's mind-blowing. Out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and we need to have a conversation about this because women are imploding. Yeah. So if you're open to it, I'm it. just going to send you another link um, so yeah. we can get you back on the show because I really wanted to yeah, I'm like, let's talk about this anytime. So important to have to have this conversation. That was the conversation I also wanted to have. So I want to oh, we'll have, have it that again. in the future for sure. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you for having me on. What a joy. Yeah. Thank you so much to you too. Mm. Well, that was a paradigm shift. And it definitely takes a lot of pressure off us crushing our goals when we realize that there may be some deeper competing priorities. See, goal creation is something I've been doing for years. And I'm not going to lie, I have been in the old hope, willpower, shame cycle. And it worked. It really motivated me to push through no matter what. And often, I did succeed at my goals, but all that changed when I became a mom. Talk about a beyond worthwhile competing priority. All of a sudden, I found myself not following through with some of my goals, and I found myself really questioning who I was becoming, what my priorities were, and I realized that I was just approaching it all wrong. So I had to really ask myself, is this goal really that important? And often I found that it wasn't, at least not right now in this journey. See, Dr. Hines' conversation was so refreshing because I felt validated in my choices for these past two years. I feel like I got so much clarity and awareness around competing priorities, especially when it comes to being a mom. Now, if you want to learn more about getting unstuck around your goals and so much more, I'm talking about unstuck mindset, unstuck the way that we handle challenges and adversity in our life. 
this is the woman to go to. I highly recommend checking out Dr. Sasha's Mental Fitness Club. I'm gonna be checking it out myself because I'm really ready for the mental up level. I'm ready to look at a problem with a different mindset. I'm ready to approach life circumstances in a way that's gonna not only serve me, but serve the people around me. So please go and check her out. I'm gonna have the links to her website and her incredible Mental Fitness Club inside of the show notes for this episode. And as always, if you enjoyed all the tips that you got out of this show today, be sure to subscribe and leave a short review. That way more women are tuning in to become the CEO of their health. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.